Welcome, your backup plan tribe. I either do it too many times or not enough. Welcome, welcome, my friends, my tribe today on a dark, dreary day of November. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome. Welcome if you are new here. My name is Tina Ginn. I am Talking Taboo with Tina. Yes, a podcast that we shoot uh, probably once or twice a week anyways. Uh, welcome to our new listeners. Welcome if you are returning. I'm, I'm so happy to have you here to focus on a real raw live conversations with our listeners about our guest journey from their life-changing event in their life. And boy, oh boy, have we got a story for you today. Um, what is your backup plan app? That's who puts this show on the road here today, every day of, of our show. Your backup plan app puts your life all into one place in case of any unpredictable circumstance while taking that painful aftermath out of that tragedy. Yes. And what does that mean? Well, it means that one thing you can count on is that you are going to have some sort of tragedy in your life, some sort of lesson, I want to say, some sort of thing that happens. It could be, could be a cancer, could be a stroke, could be a heart attack, could be a disease. It could be COVID. It could be a, a wildfire, uh, very famous wildfires that, have been hitting us in the last few years. It could be floods, it could be hurricane, it could be tornadoes, it could be a car accident, it could be anything that changes your life in the blink of an eye. Like that. Just as quick as that. Your life changes before you know it. And um, just like a very famous quote from Mike Tyson, says everyone has a plan until you're punched in the mouth. Yep, that's for sure. We think we're prepared, but are we really? And your backup plan app helps you make sure that you're prepared for anything that comes across your life. Um, we're preparing, your backup plan is preparing for launching their Emerging Blueprint program, which is a a variety of a library of videos and interviews to help you understand why you need something, to understand what you have, why you have it, helps you understand, it gives you workshops to participate in or to watch after. It helps you with videos, of course. It helps you understand with worksheets and conversations to have with yourself, to have with your loved ones to have with your family or friends. It's a treasure chest full of love, which we've also included, which we do workshops with to help you put together that sort of legacy with those that you love, what kind of things you'd like to put into that treasure box. Yes, um, a full list of so many things. Again, my name is Tina. Um, I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye, a financial expert and a developer of your app, 
your backup plan app. And I'm located here in beautiful Vancouver, BC. And I think I should have worn my red plaid today because we have a guest that's actually Canadian. But I didn't because she lives in beautiful Australia. So um, I guess I should have kind of done it partially. <laughs> a half and half red plaid shirt. But that's okay. I'd like to welcome all of our new people, listeners uh, to our channel. I'm super happy that you're here. Um, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you already haven't so that you get notified um, that you can watch any upcoming video. You can share this with your loved ones, the ones that you're thinking about. I'd like to welcome our listeners from the United States, Australia, Canada, uh, Europe, and of course, German is our third highest listening podcast platform. And meine deutsche Freunde sind unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentar haben, können Sie gern Fragen stellen. Also danke für deine Freundschaft. Danke fürs Hören, meine deutsche Freunde. So thank you, my German friends. Thank you, my Ireland. Thank you, Sweden. Thank you to all our listeners. Let's get this party started. If you have found us and you're watching the show, you have found us for a reason. Yes, definitely for a reason. Um, our special guest today is Cindy Scott, and she's joining us from beautiful Australia. And I'm just going to bring her on our show right now so that I can introduce her. There she is. <laughs> hello. There's Cindy. <laughs> Hello, hello, Cindy. Thank you for coming on our show today. My pleasure. Cindy comes to us from beautiful Australia, where we'd all like to be right now, I'm sure. Um, she is an author, a speaker, a coach, an entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Evolving Women. She um, has an online sanctuary, a space for women to pause deeply breathe, heal, and grow. You'll find her pondering busily and sharing widely about resilience, women's empowerment, entrepreneurship, mindset, and well-being. If you are currently navigating one of life's most challenging hurdles, maybe a cancer diagnosis, death of a loved one, divorce, job, or other major loss, I acknowledge how radically life can alter our plans and how vulnerable and disorientated we can become. Yeah, that, that's quite the paragraph, and it means so much to me, and I'm sure a lot to all of our listeners, Cindy. Thank you for coming on our show today. Um, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me, Tina. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Maybe you could start telling us about your journey. It's it's quite a lot, um, and sure. I uh, first of all, I wanted to bring some sunshine. You're saying it's starting to get a bit bleak and dreary in um, Vancouver, which um, you're probably heading into that kind of weather for the next few months. Whereas we're heading into our summer here, so you can see behind me some beautiful sunshine and expect 27 degrees Celsius today. So it's nice and warm. Oh, nice. Bringing bringing some summer sunshine to you um, as I'm presenting here from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, which is just paradise. It's a beautiful place to live and I'm super, super pleased to live here. 
Um, yes, I am Canadian born and I've lived half my life in Canada and half my life in Australia now. So this was the year that I um, had met my halfway point. So I am very much Canadian, proud Canadian at heart. Um, but I also call myself a quasi-Aussie. So I am, um, I, I do have uh, double citizenship, um, dual citizenship. So yeah, absolutely. Nice. From beautiful Kingston, Ontario for the listeners yeah. there. That's where I went to school and went to university in Ottawa. So, um, yep. And then I started traveling and met a man that brought me to Australia. So that was kind of how it all went, but was never part of the plan. Obviously, someone upstairs had a greater plan for me, but um, wasn't one that I had created for myself, I didn't think. So, mm. so do you feel it really started once you moved there and everything kind of changed for you? What? I would say, I mean, I came over um, to Australia when I was in my early 20s and I was, you know, kind of just thinking, oh, Australia's paradise, it's warmer, better weather. Um, Australians seem to have this kind of vibe of being very relaxed and, you know, larrikin-like. And I thought, oh, this sounds like heaven to me. It sounds like mm -hmm. perfection. So when I had met a man from Australia and he said, hey, why don't you come over and visit? I was like, heck, yes, I'm, you know, I'm on the next flight. Um, but what I didn't realise was the unfolding that took place around that move. So, yes, on one level it was super, super exciting to change countries and a new culture, even though both very Western cultures, um, it, it, there are some differences in the way that um, the, the two cultures actually show up and communicate and relate. Um, and I would say as much as it was a beautiful, fun, amazing adventure to change countries and, and start a life um, in Australia, it certainly came with its challenges as well. Yeah. Um, I would say it was one of the significant sort of changes. You know, we we're talking, you're talking about developing your backup plan and making sure you're as prepared as possible. And I think when I look back over the last sort of 20 to 30 years of my life, there's been some I guess, real defining moments. Um, and I would say moving to Australia was one of them. I have been fired from a job. I have been made redundant from another job. <laughs> I have been divorced, um, which, you know, I don't think anyone embraces a divorce and thinks, woohoo, that was just such a fun experience. But <laughs> I would say mine was a colossal, you know, divorce. Like it was an absolute upheaval. It was carpet being pulled from under me. I did not see it coming. I could not believe it was happening. There was such a resistance within me to even accept that it was happening. And then in the last five years, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer twice. So I am no stranger to change. Um, and I would say in my 50 years of life, that is one thing that <laughs> keeps showing up for me. Um, and I have developed an incredible level of resilience and capacity to respond to change. And so when I was going through breast cancer, I was diagnosed in February last year in 2020, people kept saying, oh, Cindy, you're so brave. You're so strong. You're so courageous. And I'm like, no, I am just merely responding to what life has, has put on my plate. And I think resilience is a muscle that we can develop and grow um, as, we, as we go through it. Um, and fortunately or unfortunately, I've had quite a number of experiences to develop that muscle. So here I am. Yeah. I never liked when people said that to me. You're so strong. You're so oh. strong. Maybe uh, the says, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Doesn't feel like I'm strong on the inside. I'm like a marshmallow, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
you, you've got to respond and show up and survive. I mean, we do have such an innate will to drive, uh, drive, sorry, to survive. And, um, you know, we'll do what we can to make that happen. And so did it started basically with your first diagnosis? Did that work? Yeah, so 2016, I was, you know, casting my mind back to then, I was a single mum, my son was quite young, I was running my own business, I was single, um, and needing to put a roof over her head and food on the table. So my primary focus uh, in my life at that point was, I've got all these clients, I need to service them, I need to make sure that I've got income coming in so that my son and I are okay. That was my primary focus. And so when the breast surgeon said to me, look, Cindy, you've got a lump and it's nearly five centimetres and we need to operate straight away, I had never spent a day in hospital apart from having my son. I've never had anything wrong with me. I've, I've enjoyed good health until that point. And so the breast surgeon's like, oh, well, I can book you in in a couple of days' time. We'll get that, you know, um, cluster of cells taken out of your left breast. And I'm like, what? Like, I had never had surgery before. And to tell me that I had cancer, like, what did that mean? And I, I just fell apart. Like, I can remember I didn't even bring a support person to that appointment because I was oh. so like, no, I'm fine. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. He's going to just tell me it's nothing. It's a cyst and you can go home. But that's not the, the news that he gave me on that day. So I was thrust into surgery a couple of days later, and then I had to go back in and have surgery again the following week because it was the cancer was still in the margins. So that was hugely traumatic for me at that point in my life where I was on my own, single mum, and feeling like I didn't have a lot of support. You know, looking back now, yes, I probably did, but I didn't actually want to bother anyone with my plate. Right. You know, I, I wanted to go it alone. I didn't want to burden anyone. I didn't really want to have to stop work. So in many ways, my first experience with breast cancer, I did all the epic fail things that you could do, like sweep it under the carpet, refuse to believe that I actually even had that diagnosis. I didn't um, do some of the treatment that the surgeon had suggested. Like in some ways, I, I could not put myself first and actually go, I need time out. I need to heal. I need to get treatment. So I just kept soldiering on, toughen up, put the big girl pants on, and off I, I kept going. And Very need support. Pardon? And need that support. You didn't, I didn't, I'm I didn't do actually, this by myself. That was the, the warrior woman came out of yeah. me, and I thought, no, I'll do this myself. I don't want to bother anyone. And so I told very few people, like some of my family members knew and a couple of close friends, but work colleagues, clients, you know, people didn't really know what was going on for me. So in many ways, I was just in denial that yeah. this was actually happening to me. And I, I fell apart. Like I really, um, I went, uh, you know, I went it alone and struggled through it, putting on a big, brave, smiley face, like I've got this, I'm fine. But I was so not fine. So last year in February 2020, I was um, doing a number of, you know, get those things ticked off my list because I was about six weeks out from getting married. I've attracted this beautiful man into my life and we were getting married. And um, so I thought, well, I better get that routine mammogram and ultrasound done prior to getting married so that I can just really rest. And we had all these international guests coming from for our wedding, plus um, interstate guests. And uh, I thought, Did right, you have to have your test done annually then? Is that what you were doing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just um, an, an annual mammogram and ultrasound. So that was like one thing I just needed to get ticked off the list. And 
as he was there, like sort of, you know, doing the ultrasound over my breast, he's like, Cindy, you've got a lump. And I'm like, no, I can't possibly have a lump. There's no way. And he goes, oh, look, it could be nothing. But I intuitively <laughs> knew, I just knew that it was back and that there was something for me to explore and to get from this. And so sure enough, you know, the biopsy and then I'm sitting in front of my breast surgeon on that fateful Friday and she said, Cindy, and like her face communicated everything. She didn't even have to say the words. And she goes, like, not only have you got a lump, but you've also got it in your lymph nodes as well, which oh. means you require chemotherapy and potentially radiation after that. And I was just like, this cannot be happening to me. Why me? Why now? Why again? And six weeks out from getting married. So as you can appreciate, I fell apart. Like I could not stop crying for days. I was so distraught. I was so overwhelmed um, with that news. And also that it was a much more aggressive form of cancer than what I'd had the previous time in 2016. So a few friends have said to me, well, like, you know, did the first time around actually prepare you for the second time? And I'd say absolutely not, because it was a blindside both times. But the second time being a much more aggressive cancer that required a much more invasive treatment was a lot harder to digest. And part of me wanted to, you know, deny that as well and just sweep it yeah. under the carpet and say, look, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do this. So um, fortunately, I, I, you know, I had this beautiful man, Chris, in my life at that point, and we were engaged and to be married um, six weeks from then. So he's like, well, you can't sweep this under the carpet. You can't treat this the way that you did the first time. This is serious. Like it's a serious um, grade cancer. It's in your lymph system. Um, we need to actually make sure you get the right treatment. So I actually sat with that for like a week. I was really struggling with oh, no, I'm just going to soldier on. I'm going to keep doing my business. I've, you know, I've got bills to pay. I've got responsibilities. I've got people relying on me. And Chris just said to me one day, like, no, you cannot handle this the way that you handled it last time. I am here to support you. I am here for you. Um, if you need to take time out from work, that's what you need to do. And then I rang a dear girlfriend of mine. I've got a few of these sort of wise sage women that I tune into every, you know, when I really am at those, those places in my life and this gorgeous woman in my life, Vita, um, I rang her. And, you know, I guess the guts of the conversation, she said to me, what would you advise another woman to do in mm -hmm. your situation? Because you can um, never look at yourself, can you? you know? No, it's so much easier to like sweep it under the carpet and push forward. But she said, well, what would you advise someone else to do? And I went, pfft. I would hands down easily tell them, shut your business down, take time out, get the treatment you need, take all the time you need to heal. And I, I was even still grappling with that. Like another week went by and she just said, Cindy, send the email out to your list. Tell everybody what's going on for you. Just be vulnerable. Put your heart on your sleeve. Let, let people know what's going on for you. And I still struggled with that. So I sat with that for like another week and then I thought... <laughs> I know that's the right thing to do. I know that's what I need to do, but it was really hard. And mm -hmm. so I wrote this beautiful email, very heartfelt, and I just put it out there and I said, look, I know I'm probably going to be disappointing a lot of people, um, but I actually, for the first time in my life, need to put myself first. I need to take time for treatment. I don't know how long that's going to take, um, but I'm shining the light on me and I'm taking time out. So I called it affectionately my soul sabbatical. Oh, and cool. I took That's it on. That's a great on. name, actually. 
Yeah. So I took it on like a project. Like I all of a sudden, because I wasn't working and I didn't have that commitment, that external focus, it was like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? So I started looking at complementary therapies. I was reading every book that I could find that was going to help me to navigate through my journey. Um, I did every sort of therapy I could afford um, through that. And so it was a real uh, soul growth time for me. It really was. Like I wouldn't change it. I've had such an incredible year and a half of cancer treatment and I'm glad to say I'm on the other side of it now, three months out from my, I had a double mastectomy and reconstruction um, in July. So yeah, it's been a very long year and a half, but so many gifts, so many insights, so many beautiful lessons from all of it. Mm -hmm. And so many to share. Absolutely. So much. Yeah. And like people say to me, well, you know, what did you take away from it? I'm like, well, how long have you got? Like there's been so many, so many gifts that it's really hard to articulate them all. And I think, um, you know, I would never wish a cancer diagnosis or any other hardship adversity onto someone. But I do hold the belief now that it's through adversity that we grow. So life's not happening to you. It's happening for you in order for your soul to grow. So the universe is giving you exactly what you need for you to become the best version of you. I believe that. I, whole, I wholeheartedly believe that to be true. It's like that old story that we used to hear is, you know, you're only given when you're pregnant, you're only given that child or children that you can manage. Yeah. Spot on. I'm not sure about that either, but <laughs> <laughs> well, life works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? You know, like we get some okay. interesting curveballs. I'll look up there and ask. I'm not sure, but you have to wonder sometimes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So second time round um, was even more challenging than the first because it was a much more aggressive cancer. Um, it was very confronting to go through chemotherapy, um, knowing that you're going back week on week to get another infusion to be sicker still. Uh, and then, you know, the whole identity shift was massive, massive, massive. Um, my hair fell out like day 17, so I was bald. And not only was I bald, but one thing I didn't know was your eyebrows and your eyelashes fall out as well. So I'm looking in the mirror and this cancer patient's looking back at me. Like I looked sick. I yeah. looked like I had cancer. Does so that part that, always happen or is it only sometimes? Well, I, I presume I'm, I'm not a doctor, but for those going through chemotherapy, I do think that's the side effect of chemo that it just sort of wipes your whole, whole system out of any new growth. And so your hair does fall out. Um, I do think I can sport a bald head okay, but without eyelashes and eyebrows, I was not happy. It was tough. <laughs> and they're slow to move, like slow to grow back in as well. So it was really confronting, you know, to really lose all sense of self. So in a matter of like a month, I basically shut down my business. COVID was ramping up globally. So I yeah. became a hermit in my own house. It was self-isolating. My husband became my you know, support my driver, um, the grocery shopper, um, and all of a sudden you're taking me to all of my appointments. So I lost my health. Like I was really fit when I was diagnosed. I was going to the gym regularly. I had a personal trainer. So I lost my health and fitness and I became very sick because the drugs actually really 
um, affect you. So my identity was stripped away in a matter of, you know. Yeah, and your weeks. independence. My what independence. You, what that you was knew of you. That was probably one of the most challenging parts was losing my sense of self, not knowing yeah. who I was in the in the muck anymore and rely, being reliant on someone like oh, I don't like being dependent. That's not that's not who I am. I really like to be independent. I'm, I'm a go getter chick and make stuff happen. And for me to have to be patient and surrender to and allow someone else to help me, I was like, this doesn't sit very well with me. So that was tough. Very tough. I think most women are probably much like that because you lose so much of your self inside and out, you know, mm. during that time. You do. Like, I think it's like, it's like an onion. You're kind of like peeling back all these layers, but what happens is you're actually getting closer to the true essence of who you are. So it's like you're finding that diamond within, you know, um, and buffing that up. And I think ultimately that's the journey, but you've got to painfully go through losing all these layers first to, to strip it back, to get to that core of who you are. And I know for some of our listeners, I mean, you had great support from your soon to be spouse and spouse during the time of mm -hmm. the treatment that you definitely needed, but there are some partners or spouses that, run the other direction as well yeah I, i've got to say like now that i'm much more um public so i'm on instagram and facebook and linkedin i've actually had quite a number of people reach out and say like you know it looks like everything's going well and you've got this beautiful man who's supporting you unfortunately that hasn't been my experience and so yes there's there's men that run a mile and and it could be a woman supporting yeah. a man going through something it doesn't have to be that way but holding space for someone going through something so horrific is challenging um and it would test your mettle and i think some people would run and you know chris my husband he did marry me the crazy man i told him it was his <laughs> opportunity to run but he he um held steadfast and we did get married we ended up having um two witnesses and a very covid uh friendly wedding oh. in instead of our you know three-day epic wedding celebrations that we had been planning for some time so it was a very scaled down version but not everyone would have a chris in their life that would um you know stand through that and chris handled it in his own way i think it, it challenged him as well and i used to say to him through you know do you want to go get some help do you think you need a therapist or somebody to talk to and he's like no i'm fine i've got this but I think he would say now that he really struggled as well and he probably could have used some support too, but he mm -hmm. chose to take that. Um, so you would suggest that to anyone listening out there? Uh, absolutely. I would, I absolutely he would. And, yeah. I, and I would say the same, like, cause I can remember in the early days when, you know, all my hair had fallen out and I'm just sitting there feeling sorry for myself. Cause I totally went into victim mode, which, you know, I've been an exec coach for the last 10 years and I'm thinking, I can't believe that I sat there even for a minute with all the tools that I've got in my, my personal toolkit, but I did. And um, one day Chris just said, you need some help. And I said, I really need some help. And like, you know, to even admit that, that I was struggling, I needed support, I needed somebody outside of me to actually give me a big hug. So he rang the Cancer Council and like he did this in front of me, but he rang them and he explained the situation and then handed the phone over to me 
um, and this beautiful woman, her name's Lucy, um, was the counsellor that I spoke to that day. And she said, you know, tell me what's going on for you. And I relayed what was happening and all the loss and grief. And, um, and she just listened. And then she said, and that's a lot. And I went, it is a lot. And just mm -hmm. having that affirmation from someone who hears these stories day in, day out, made me feel so much more comforted. But also too, I then um, committed to getting some therapy and I don't see therapy as a weakness. I see it very much as a strength. And I worked with two beautiful different women because um, one left the industry in the midst of my, my treatment. So I ended up working with another woman and um, both of them offered great insights and support through such a horrific time. Um, Would you so recommend would listeners to... Um get it right from the beginning or later on for therapy or? Um, I, I think you need to look at the individual and how they feel that they're coping. Um, you know, some people might just take it in their stride and go, yep, no, look, it's fine. The doctors got, have got this covered and I'm in good hands. But I would probably suggest most people that hear those three words, you have cancer, are probably going to go into a meltdown. They'll go into overwhelm. Um, they'll be exhausted with a myriad of new medical appointments and scans and information like it's overwhelming so here i had closed my business thinking i was going to be creating some space and some calm but it was quite the opposite it was like what i call the cancer circus it was just crazy like appointment to appointment and trying to get your head around all this new information to try and make sense of all of it was really challenging. And so when you're in the state of, you know, shock and you're in that fight or flight mode, your brain is not comprehending new information. So um, I would suggest making sure that you do have a support person, whether it's a partner or a loved one, um, to take you to appointments and to help digest information and to help make decisions because there's such big, important decisions to make. But a therapist along the way, um, you know, if it's accessible and affordable, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's what we talk about on the podcast almost every single time with people's mm -hmm. journeys is the fight or flight moment mm -hmm. is um, very difficult to maneuver around because it's like I always say it's like your brain is on the outside of your body. <laughs> it literally it's it's like okay i need to access this information that i know i have in my head to make decisions but you can't mm -hmm. and so it could be something that happened even to your spouse or your partner or your kid and for some reason you still go into that fight or flight just like your spouse would or or yeah. anything and it it innate it does it disenables you to make proper decisions mm -hmm. it it doesn't allow you to think when you're not suffering with this issue so that's why i always say in your backup plan is to be ready before anything happened even mm -hmm. if you lost your house i mean it's overwhelming to see your house burnt down to cement uh footing and and see it all gone everything that you had in that house it's just as overwhelming in that moment as anything else can be mm -hmm. and um 
the the nice thing about the journey of cancer if there can be any niceness of it nice <laughs> yeah is that when you have support around you you're given that time to progress at your speed i guess you could say mm -hmm. um whatever that looks like for you because i know everyone is sick from either the medication or the radiation or the chemo mm -hmm. and so that's tough too it's just like a stroke trying to recover mm -hmm. from that disability um yeah so sorry to interject i just i had to make it clear that those moments when you can't think it's i i just can't even explain to people what that feels like mm. I don't think anything can prepare you for any of these sort of adversities that show up. You know, it, it is being blindsided. And so um, it is very challenging. And I mean, last just last week I had shoulder surgery. I had a little uh, arthroscopy. And because I've gone through so many surgeries in this last 18 months, I went into that very consciously and very mindfully. So I was doing some breath work to really calm my nervous system. And I was doing some uh, meditation. And I went into that surgery feeling very calm and I came out of it very calmly as well. So my recovery, um, although I'm going gently and going slowly, um, has been um, progressing quite nicely and without a lot of pain because I think I was very calm in my state going into it. And I think no matter what change you're going through, the more you can be centered in yourself, more grounded, yeah, you know, looking at your breath and making sure that you're keeping your nervous system as calm as possible is probably one of the most important things you could do. Yes. And so tell us about this book that you created during when you had nothing better to do with your life. Yeah. So well, what happened? Um, I was I just had this whole cocktail of emotions going on within me and I was trying to make sense of everything. And um, you know, and I was working with a therapist at the time, but I started journaling and I just started, I've got all this stuff and I need to say it and I need to express it and I need to get it out of me. So I, I started journaling. And then one day this girlfriend said to me, look, why don't you write a book with these journal entries? Because they might be of help to other people going through a cancer journey. And I thought, nah, the world doesn't need another cancer book. There's so many of those books out there. But I sat with it for a little while because my immediate response was not, nah, not doing it. Don't feel it whatever and then I thought well what if it was a workbook what if it was a practical interactive guidebook for people going through cancer treatment that would actually help them to navigate the emotional upheaval and the psychological sort of swirling um, that goes on around that so as soon as that concept was born in my mind the book was like it was birthed through me so I'm super proud to say and I'll give you a little sneaky peek <laughs> this is that book. So it's called The Healing Journal, The Gift of Cancer. And it's a hardcover book and it's got a lovely um, band to protect it. So it's like a private little journal to put your sacred thoughts and feelings in and you don't need to share it with anyone. But basically the book is made up of 12 chapters which go through four seasons. So the book starts in autumn and uh, you'll appreciate this being a Canadian, that the very first story is about a Thanksgiving feast that my husband and I had been hosting at our home. We had this beautiful spread of food and gorgeous people around the table and we offered 
um, our gratitudes for things that we were grateful for in our life. And um, so that was the very first scene. So I thought it was quite fitting that the book start in autumn with the beautiful coloured leaves. I'll show you inside, actually, because the book has four distinct different sections with different look and feel. So you can see this is autumn with the autumn leaves. And then we move into winter, which is like the change curve. It's the, the darkness and depression. It's bare leaves and snowflakes. <laughs> and then we move into spring, which is beautiful roses um, and brightness and happiness, joy. And then we move into summer, which is the final um, season in the book, which is butterflies and, and joy. So each chapter has a little bit of my story where I share some of those journal entries that I um, had made when I was in treatment. Then there's some mindfulness practices. There's some self-inquiry questions and some journaling pages. So it's a little bit of my story, but not too much. It's enough to validate the reader's own experience. And um, there's lots of room for them to make this beautiful book their own. And it's also a keepsake. So my mom also has had breast cancer twice but it was 28 years ago. So I'm like, mom, tell me about your experience. How did you go with it? And what kind of treatment did you have? And she's like, look, it was so long ago, I don't remember. So I thought that this, because one in two people get cancer, um, yeah. it would be a really lovely keepsake for people who are unfortunately having to go through this journey. Um, so yes, the book was born um, in the midst of my treatment and was probably very much the passion project I needed to focus on as I was going through. So it gave me something really productive and positive and inspiring to work on. So I'm super excited about the book. Um, it's now out in five countries. I've got a distributor in Canada, so that's really exciting. Um, and it's all around Australia. So we've um, we've sold nearly 300 books now and it's only been out a couple of months. So it's, you know, it's working its way out there and it's really having an impact. I'm getting beautiful messages from women all over the place saying how the book has touched them and, and helped them through. So I should mention too, at the very beginning of the book, there's some practices in there about how to calm your nervous system in that very early shock stage. So there's some practical tools. There's also um, an e-course. I've created what's called the Cancer Companion e-course, which mirrors the book. So the book is the workbook for the online training course. So that is a beautiful uh, support program for people going through that can actually have me walking alongside them as they're going through. So it's more specifically to focus on the emotional and um, psychological upheaval that is cancer. So and yeah. It's a big, it's a big one. Oh, that's a big one. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. No, that must help a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, I think if you can sit in your quietness and really um, use it to the best of your ability during that time, it's quite the legacy that you could leave behind as well as if you're so awesomely given more time um, on this 3D world that we live in. Um, you're able to review that years later and look at what you felt and yeah. what you, you know, to, to either for yourself as well as, wow, I did endure a lot. Mm. And also yeah. look at the growth, the learnings that you took away. Yeah. From. Yeah. I haven't got to that stage where I'm ready to reflect back, you know, it hasn't been long enough, but I do look forward to that. That would be um, really quite cathartic. I think. I think we forget 
the strength mm -hmm. that we do have yeah. to be able to go through these things. We are stronger than we ever think we are. Yeah, even though we, when something like that comes along, yeah, it really tests our strength. Well, and this is one of the gifts for me, Tina. One of the things that I learned is in the depths of it, in the real dark, darkest days that I had last year when I was ugly and I was bald and I had no eyelashes yeah. and I was ever the cancer patient, sitting in that muck, sitting in that real distress and, and discomfort is when your metal is most tested and you also learn in those moments just what you're capable of. So for me, I discovered this, you know, well of strength. Like I am a resilient being and I am, you know, I want to survive. I want to live and I want to have a legacy. I want to make a difference in my life. So um, I think in those moments, you really discover what you're made of. Yes. Did you feel during these times that you really needed to think again that, hey, I, I'm not prepared i i you know i'm not prepared for this <laughs> right now um, i'm not prepared to die yeah i'm not prepared or, or even die. get sick that i can't look after myself what, whatever right whatever that I scenario both times both times being diagnosed with breast cancer you know those feelings certainly came up for me where it was like hang on, I'm not ready for this. I'm not prepared for this. I'm not ready to leave this planet either. But have I got my things in order? Like, you know, um, I have a son. So is he going to be looked after? Have I got my will sorted out in terms of is he um, going to be okay financially? Because he was still in school, um, yeah. you know. So um, absolutely. And then the second time around, it was like, well, now I'm in a relationship and soon to be married. But what does that mean for me in terms of, financial matters and the will and the power of attorney stuff so who's going to look after me should I be incapable of making decisions for myself and my own health um, so certainly raises all of those questions and of course no I'm terrible at making sure all the t's are crossed and the i's are dotted I, I don't do the detail stuff so well so like you know yeah. when you look at in relationships people certain parties take on certain responsibilities well Chris kind of handles all that administrative or legal stuff and i and i don't really get involved with that so yeah no a lot of it hadn't been put into place and plus it makes you think well what about my business what do i want to do with that i yeah. haven't given that any thought i just work every day making revenue for a reason but i haven't given it any thought of what if Right. Spot on. So, um, yes, I did have some insurance in place. Should should I be incapable of working? So thank, thank goodness for that. But I think the other gift in cancer for me was re sort of imagining, well, who am I on the other side of cancer and how do I want to work? Like, do I want to continue working the way that I've always worked or is there something different now that I want to bring to the world? And so I would say I'm very much in that sort of transition, but what I'm feeling very called to bring is my book in the e-course and to teach people about resilience, how to actually tap into those inner resources, whether you've been faced with an adversity or not. Like how about just build that capacity to be more resilient so that when that day comes, 
you're actually stronger and more ready for it. So um, I've got a, a model that I'm playing with and I'm going to be rolling out in 2022 that is about developing your resilience capability, um, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. It's very similar to ours, too, where do it prepare yourself beforehand because yeah. it's sort of useless after the fact, really, you know, yeah. after you've been hit by a car and you say, hold on a second, I'm not ready for this yet. <laughs> yeah, I, just rewind the clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take me backwards a bit and let me get prepared and then it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know that many people would actually go, yep, I'm totally prepared, I'm ready for this, bring it on. So your backup plan app is fabulous to help prepare um, people for those blind sides in life. That's for sure, because we don't know when it's coming. We just know that there will be mm. something. Yeah. We don't get out of this alive, unfortunately. <laughs> we're all on a one-way ticket. It's <laughs> <laughs> what we choose to do with it while we're here, though, hey? That's right, and that's where you come into the picture. Mm, Make it up. better and easier and emotionally... I, I our world is so being tested right now, no matter where you live in the world. COVID has yes. certainly given us a big shake. And, you know, here in Australia, we're still grappling very much with it. Um, and I think it's a real test for humanity um, to be looking at, well, how do we respond to this virus, this invisible enemy that we can't control we don't have any power over um, it's like we've got to find a way to surrender to it and work with it you know it's yes. the same with cancer i couldn't fight it i wasn't going to try and conquer it or crush it i had to surrender and meet it you know to to explore why had cancer shown up for me what was its message for me so i think you know i don't know why COVID is here for us but man who would have thought it would be going on this long yeah, um, that it would still be rattling our cages this many, you know, it's over a year, year and a half now, um, that it would still be going on this long. Especially March 2020. We all thought, oh, a couple months, you know. It'll, it'll pass. We'll be back to life as usual. But what's usual? What's normal going to look like on the other side of this? That, that's gone now. Yeah. It's going to be a new normal. Yeah. And the fear, I think people just living with this state of fear and anxiety about what if, you know, what and if. anger, so yeah. much anger out in the world. Yeah. I'm not sure we've got the lessons just yet. You know, like there still seems to be a road ahead that we need to travel. And I don't know what the answers are, but um, yeah, the more we can build our resilience and our capability to to sit with what is, I think will help us to endure this even more. Sounds like you want to say to be present. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think, like, I don't think we solve world wars by trying to conquer the other party. I think it's when we meet them with peace in our heart. It's how can we actually surrender? And I don't mean give up and give in. I mean surrender to and meet with what's going on here and how can we actually peacefully find a way through this so mm -hmm. with same with cancer i i don't think that i could have power over it that thing has power over me like that was the first time in my life where i had these cells growing inside my breast that i had no control over like the rest of my life most things were pretty manageable 
But all of a sudden, I've got the enemy inside of me. These cells were inside of me, and I'm reliant on a doctor who I don't even know. I'm handing over the power of my body to a doctor to say, get these cells out of me. So I, I ultimately had no power over these cells. I had to trust. I had you to lose surrender. control. Yeah. Absolutely. And trust in a doctor that I don't know that they won't even know me the following week. Like they'll do the surgery and it'll be done. And I'm the one left with the legacy of what happens in this body of mine. So trust yeah. the process and have faith that yeah. you've been allowed to be given this, this opportunity mm. and there, hence your journal. Absolutely. Well, that's right. I mean, it's, that's my legacy. That's, that's one thing I've got a million other ideas um, coming forth as well, but the start is this beautiful book and I know that it's changing lives already. So I'm so proud of it and so pleased that I can send love yes. anywhere. It's really, it's like a big hug. This book mm -hmm. is so full of love um, and support for people going through what is probably the most challenging time in your life. And the stats on cancer are absolutely appalling. One in two people will contract cancer by the age of 85. Um, which I think is unacceptable. Like, yes, what is going on that so many people are getting cancer? Um, and depending on the type of cancer, what the survival rates look like. But yeah. I just think it's too many people getting cancer. And I think we need to develop more capacity for resilience in order to respond better when these, when these crises show up. Yes, because we have to filter through it either alone or with uh, those that are around us. And and you have the ability and the choice of knowing which way you want to go. Mm. I wanted to speak to that too, Tina, as well, because that was one of the, another gift for me in cancer was seeing who did show up for me through treatment. And so for people that may be listening today that think, oh, well, I'm on my own, no one loves me, I haven't got any support, I bet you do. And, and for me, people came out of the woodwork that I would not have expected. So people that were not in my close inner circle or even my blood relations, it, a couple of people actually showed up that were in the periphery of my social network um, that actually became my greatest support. Um, people show up in, in only the ways they know how. So you've got different people that, you know, they might bring comedy, they might bring, you know, deep, meaningful reflection, they might just be compassionate, big hugs for you. Um, you know, people show up in, in all sorts of unique ways. And I, I got to a point where I was so, so grateful for every phone call, every email, every card, every gift, you know, like, the, the love that I received through all of this by being open and sharing my journey was phenomenal. And so I think foster relationships with your work colleagues or with your neighbours or, you know, people that are in your world because we are all human and people do care. People want to help. So it may just people that you least expect that will show up for you. And that certainly was the case. It usually me. is. Well, it was certainly not the people that I thought were like some of some of the people I know, even for grief, you think, yeah. Yeah. or divorce or grief. It, it's surprising. You think the ones that you expect to show up don't. But not everyone is capable of holding space for someone going through a really tough time. And this is one of the things that I worked with my therapist on, because some of the people that 
were, and I say past tense, were very close inner circle people for me didn't show up for me. And I was mm-hmm. really hurt by that. I was like, how how is it that they can't even ring me? How can they not yeah. offer me support or even be curious about what I'm going through or how I'm coping? And I was working with my therapist through that because I was like, I don't understand this. And it seems so unfair and, and insensitive that I'm not hearing from these people. But as the therapist said, people will only show up in ways that they they can. And some people can't sit with that. Like the discomfort and knowing that it's unfixable is is a really unique skill. So there's one one dear friend of mine, her name's Danny, and she's she's like five foot nothing. She's she's my little fairy friend. And she was a woman very much on the periphery of my life. She wasn't a close, close friend, but she ended up being the most incredible support. Um, and I would just cry and cry and cry and she'd just sit there and hold space and you know, that is a beautiful gift that someone can give you. And I would mm-hmm. never have picked in a million years that Danny would be one of those people that would show up for me. Amazing. So, so yeah. as, as you said, are the people that you expect then, are they, are they fearful? Is that, is that summary of it? Um, what I've made it mean, because it was actually family for me that didn't show up for me, so my blood relations and people that were actually very close to me. But I think what I've internalized it to mean is that they made my cancer diagnosis something about them. Like it brought up fear for them that they're vulnerable, that that could potentially be them, that they could have a diagnosis. And so I don't think they were very comfortable to sit with seeing me fall apart because I'm I'm the oldest, I'm the strong one. Um, you know, and usually people look to me to be that rock. And I was not the rock last year. I thought, no, stuff it. I'm not going to try and be strong through this and think, you know, put on a big brave face. I was falling apart and I was not working. I was not well. Um, And I let people know that. And I let people see me bold as well. Like some people want to wear wigs and put makeup on. I'm like, no, I'm just going to go through this naturally. People will be able to see me as I am going through this. So I think some people really couldn't cope with that. Mm. Yeah, that's probably the same for grief, right? Yeah, yeah. Any hardship. I mean, it takes a lot of resilience and, and emotional grit to hold hold that space for someone else going through something that's so challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's not easy. Or divorce, which you've experienced. Did you find the same thing? Yeah, I was just reflecting on that. Um, For sure. It was different people than I expected going through that. And then there was some blame as well. Some people actually kind of had this, well, what did you do to to deserve this or create this? And I'm like, hang on a sec. Like, I didn't even see this coming. But yet, I would say even then, some people showed up for me through that that I would not have expected. And they've become, you know, dear lifelong friends as a result. I mean, I'm so forever indebted to them for for showing up and holding that space for me. Absolutely. Mm. It's, it's precious. Absolutely Absolutely. precious. Um, It's funny who comes into our lives. It is. I I find life just so fascinating, like, you know, how it's weaved and how, you know, who comes into our life, who, who may leave our life, what shows up on our path. I'm reading a beautiful book at the moment by Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. No. 
he basically in his early 20s decided to just hand over, surrender basically to the universe and allow whatever opportunities were meant to cross his path. So there was no forcing, no, you know, pushing anything out in the world. He just thought, look, if an opportunity is presented, he'll say yes, even if he doesn't feel like it's what he wants to do. And he's gone on to build, you know, a billion dollar company and through, you know, living in the woods in Florida. Um, amazing story. And he did this very mindfully, like, he, you know, he's very committed to his meditation practice twice a day and just surrendering to what shows up. And I think, wow, what a freeing way to live. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No regret. No, just let, let it flow. Yeah, to be really present in the moment and also to bring a lot of love and passion to every moment, you know, to whatever you're doing, whether it's some massive thing or just a little a little thing in your life, to bring a lot of love to what you're doing. So mm -hmm. I love that. It's a beautiful book. What you're doing and what you're seeing and what you're experiencing as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. yeah. What would you say to our wonderful listeners? Oh, gosh, I've got so many things I'd love to say. But I guess um, in in closing, I guess I'd say um, tune in to your body. Your body is so wise. And so it knows when you're out of alignment. It knows when you're not living in accordance with your own soul's truth. And I believe that you'll get a little whisper when you're off track. And if you don't listen to the whisper, you'll get a tap. And then you'll get a slap. Um, so I believe. And then um, you get a punch. Yeah, I got the soccer <laughs> punch for the guts. Yeah, absolutely. I missed, I missed all the other warning signs. But I would encourage everyone just tune in. You know, whether you're in a relationship that's kind of lost its love or um, you're in a job that you hate and you're thinking, oh, I wish that there was something else that I could be doing. Tune in because no doubt your body's telling you. And I, I said this at a talk recently and this woman put her hand up and she said, well, how do you know? Like, what kind of signs do you get in your body? And I said, well, you know, how do you sleep at night? You know, what kind of tension are you carrying in your shoulders or how, how's your face, your jaw? Like, have you got pain in your body? Are you noticing, you know, are you having to go to the massage therapist or the physio or the, you know, osteopath just to get through life, you know, what is your body trying to communicate with you? Because it's communicating all the time. And so for me, when I look back, I was exhausted. I was stressed. I wasn't taking any time for myself. I wasn't practicing any self-care. So for me, that's probably one of the silver linings in all of this for me is that I have slowed way down and I tune much more into my body, like, okay, oh, I might be getting a cold sore, slow down. Or I might be retired, let's have a nap. Like, we've got to let go of this guilt around having an afternoon nap. If you're tired, have a nap. Yeah. Um, so just tune in um, because your body is communicating what is best for you. And self-care is the best medicine always. Rather than a tablet or a glass of wine or a coffee or whatever, you know, you can self-medicate by practicing self-care and giving yourself more space and time. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. That pleasure. That does summarize it all up in one, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think we need to start being more accountable for our own wealth, health and well-being and, our, and what shows up in our life. So the more we can be connected and tuned in to our own selves and bodies, um, I think we'll be far better off. I keep getting caught up in my earbuds here. Yeah. And the cords are like coming out of everywhere. 
<laughs> did um, do you have those kinds of in your journal those moments where you can put those kinds of thoughts in? Absolutely. So one of the chapters in the book is dedicated to identifying for yourself what what do you think the diagnosis is actually about for you. So really tuning into your body and actually going, why might cancer have shown up for me? So for me, it was I'm exhausted. You know, like I am yeah. so run down. I have not had a break. Like yeah, I might go on a holiday, but I might be reading workbooks while I'm on a holiday. Or I never really was clocking off. Um, and then there's another whole section on writing your own remedy. So taking it on for yourself to be accountable for your own healing journey um, and to look at, well, what are the things that might not be in alignment in your life? Like it might be around your spiritual practice. And I'm not saying that has to be a religion for some that don't feel they want to be religious. But, you know, are you connected to a higher source in some way? And what kind of relationship do you have with that source? You know, are you in loving relationships? You know, do you have a loving partner? If you like to be single, awesome. But do you have friendships? Um, you know, your family connections, how do you relate to them? How's your physical health? Um, what do you do for work? Are you doing something that you love or is it something that absolutely depletes you? So looking at ways in all aspects of your life that you could be in or out of alignment and trying to correct those things. So that's been my focus this last year and a half is yeah. in my soul sabbatical, trying to write the things that may not be quite right in my life. And, you know, I, I think I lead a pretty awesome life. I'm very, very blessed and I live in paradise and I've got a beautiful man in my life. But there's still some things to tweak. Um, so those are the things that I'm working on. Well, it's all inside. It's all Absolutely. stuff inside. Right there. Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, we're not taught that in school. So we, no. we live the fast-paced life and we never stop to smell the roses, so to speak. That would be the, the very essence of everything I talk about is not just slow down, but slow way down. We do not need to fill our days and weeks and, and years like jam-packed with stuff. We don't need to work crazy hours. You know, we can actually find more joy in doing less. Um, and, I, and I do think the whole world would be better for slowing way down. Well, I think COVID did that quite a bit for everybody. Yeah, us. <laughs> made us. Made yeah, us. For sure. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so very much for coming on and, and giving those great ideas as well as tips. And, and I hope people reach out for your journal because I think it would be very helpful. And I'm sure even in just a, I sh shouldn't say just, but in a grieving situation or the loss of a loved one or or anything like that taking that time to do those things culturally we're not taught to be comfortable in those you know darker seasons the the sticky icky uncomfortable times and i think the more we can get comfortable sitting in whether it's grief or loss or whatever the yeah. better we are for it so it is a necessary part of the the change process to have those darker seasons and i think the more comfortable we can be with them the better but you're right we're never taught that and in fact we're taught to probably race through them and deny them or not acknowledge yes. them and um, toughen up yeah that's exactly right but i think that's the wrong advice yeah. well, it's like crying you know yeah instead of people saying well just let it out and, and experience and enjoy the moment that you can express it or however 
people hold it in or when they do it, they hide or, you know, because we feel bad. We've got to feel it to heal it, I believe. So the more we can get real with ourselves and to truly express what's going on for us, the more we can release that from our, our body and at a cellular level. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much, Cindy. That was great. And I, I hope that we've inspired and motivated each and all of our listeners with all those great tips from Cindy. That was, that's great, Cindy. Just, Thank you so much for having me, Tina. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Oh, I, I, I hope you enjoyed it. It, it was great for us. Yeah. Um, so please, all our listeners, please take a moment and, of course, subscribe to our channel and click on that bell. Yes, that bell down here. Where's my hand? I get my hand out. <laughs> down here. Oh, <laughs> I can never get it right. Down here in the corner, there is a subscribe button and a bell. Ring my bell. <laughs> Ring my bell from the 70s. <laughs> so don't forget the bell lets you notifies you if um, we have any upcoming videos that uh, you would like to listen to. So please make sure you click on that bell to get notified. Um, when you are thinking about someone special right now and you're listening to our show with Cindy and myself, someone you love and care about, please reach out to them. Please pick up that phone, text, Zoom, message, whatever it means, but tell them how much you love and care about them because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. And I don't know what triggered me just now. <laughs> yeah, it spoken. Mm. It's uh, tough. Absolutely. So stay tuned for our podcast and live streams. What's wrong with me right now? Hold on. It's okay to be emotional. That's oh. lovely. Oh. Beautiful. Oh, that's better. I needed a drink. <laughs> of water <laughs> so stay tuned for our podcast and our live streams have uh, because we have some great conversations as you know uh, with some of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world look at Cindy for example from the other side of the world from us I think you'll be entertained informed and hope that we've inspired and motivated you and my blouse just wants to keep on popping open here. So <laughs> stay shut, <laughs> blouse. <laughs> we don't want to scare anybody, any, anybody watching. Unfortunately, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you have no worries. But on the live stream, we do a little bit. <laughs> um, I hope we've inspired and motivated you. And uh, because it's good to have your unique plan because um, nobody's Superman, and expect the unexpected. Thank you again to all of our listeners. Uh, we've now into our second season, and we are on all podcast platforms. And I want to make sure that you are aware also that all of Cindy Scott's information of her journal that she showed us, as well as her where to reach out and contact her, is all down below in the description box below. Um, we are on, of course, YouTube, 
We have Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. And we have a Facebook group where we're a growing community of like-minded people who are sharing their unique, you, uh, your backup plans. So thank you for taking the time uh, with us today. I love each and every one of you. And I always end our show with Carol Burnett. And I know Cindy knows who Carol Burnett is. Yes, last from the past. Yeah. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So, so long, long friends. And be kind, stay safe and expect the unexpected. Thanks everybody. Bye for now. <laughs>